All right. One of the things that I've learned, I've walked with Jesus for, oh, I don't know, probably 10 years now, is I think, uh, I think God's got a sense of humor. Uh, do you guys know what today is? It's International Women's Day. And I'm teaching on the fall of women. Uh, and I planned this way back. We, I, I just drowsed, I just destroyed the guys last week. So it's the, it's the girls' turn this week. Uh, I just happened to line up on International Women's Day. So uh, let me start by saying, ladies, we love you. Uh, tonight's going to be just fine. We're just going to talk tonight about what we see in Genesis 3. Uh, in Genesis 3, uh, we already have talked about what what, the, what happened in the fall, how it uniquely affected men, and what we are going to wrestle and fight with the rest of our lives. And so today, uh, we're going to spend some time talking about you ladies and, and talking to you ladies about what is unique in the fall for you. What is the unique struggles that you guys are going to be dealing with? Now guys, uh, you can't check out on this. I tell the girls the same thing when I'm talking to you. Guys, you can't check out on this. Because you as men, if you were to lead and love families in the future, you have to be able to understand all that God's word has to say about these issues. All that God's word has to say about biblical manhood and biblical womanhood. So guys, you can't check out. You can't check out when we're talking about these things. You need to know what God has to say about these things. So what I want to do as we get started is I want to do a quick recap. You guys know me well. I, I do this every week. I want to spend some time with where we've been so we can move forward. So last week, um, before I even addressed men specifically, I spent a lot of time talking about the fall. And what happened as, as the serpent tempted Eve and as man stood by and, and, and kind of how that interaction took place. Can you help me out with, with talking to me about there were three things that the serpent did uh, as he was conversing with Eve. Can you help me out with these? There were three. Started with D. What was the first one? Okay, first one was this. He doubted God's word. He started it with a question. Did God really say? So that was the first one. Rebecca, you got number two? He denied God's judgment. You see it in the next spot where he says, you will not surely die. Somebody got number three? What did you say a lot? Go ahead, Corinne. Distorted God's character. He made God out to be this egotistical kind of maniac who said, if, if you eat from this tree, you'll be like me and nobody should be like me. So don't touch this thing. So he, what was, let's say him again. What did he do first? He doubted God's word. He denied God's judgment. And what was the last one? Distorted God's character. So this was the interaction that we watched take place in, uh, in Genesis. And now we get to this place where we're talking about the curse. What has happened because of this one poor choice? Because the woman, Eve, fell into temptation, rebelled against God. And the man, standing right there, abdicated his role to lead and love and care for his wife and just let it happen. So that brings us to, to tonight. Through the fall, 
We already said that work became hard for men and painful. And they would be tempted to dominate through the role God gives, gives them. We flesh this out in a number of different ways. Uh, but tonight I want to read through the curse again and talk about ladies. What has God, what do we see here in the curse that applies uniquely to ladies? So let's go Genesis chapter 3. You should be getting really familiar with the first few chapters of Genesis. Uh, as you can see, we draw so much of our theology uh, and view of, of God and sexuality from these chapters. But we see them through the rest of God's word. So let, I'm going to read kind of th- through the whole piece again. We're going to start in verse 14 and we'll read through verse 19. Genesis 3 verse 14. Here we go. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And to the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. You guys pray with me real quick. Lord, thank you for your word. And I'm so thankful that it gives us truth. Truth that we can build our life upon. It helps us see the world more clearly. It explains all the heartache, all the pain that we see and experience in the world. God, help me to be faithful tonight to your word. God, help it to sink into our hearts and into our lives. May you be exalted, Jesus, tonight through your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, David, can I just get you to get me a, a cup of water? My mouth is super dry. I don't want yours you're drinking out of. <laughs> just get me one. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. All right. So we see here in Genesis 3, uh, we've already said this man was cursed uh, to, to be frustrated by work. Work would be hard. Work would uh, no longer just be something that he can do easily. Uh, and he does well, but now all of a sudden it's become hard. It's become painful. As you roll out of bed in the morning, men, as men seek to provide for their family, all of a sudden this question of, is this really worth it? All I do is do this day in and day out. So we brought pain into the world through that. Well, the curse, I'm not going to butter this up. The curse affects ladies really specifically in two unique ways. And the first one, thank you, David, is going to seem really far off for some of you. And I recognize that. Oh, it's got a chalkboard on it. You see that? Those are cool. 
(laughs) It's going to affect you ladies in two specific ways. And the first one, I'm going to be honest with you, it's, it's probably not your right now. You see, in the beginning of verse 16, it says, To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, and in pain you shall bring forth children. It's going to be hard. (laughs) That's what God is saying here. For you ladies who will bear children, this will be painful. Do any of you, any of you ladies or any of you guys, do your moms have like horror stories about their, their, their birthing of kids? Does anybody have like horror stories? I'm not asking you for them. I'm just horror stories. Good. So I have, I have three kids. Number four is due in June. Uh, and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but actually the third one was actually born at home in my own home. It was quite the experience. Now, when I was talking to our leaders, um, I have to acknowledge that as a dude, I've never experienced this pain. <laughs> Makes sense, right? Never experienced this pain. But I have walked through it with my wife before. I've walked through it with her uh, multiple times. My wife is a, she's a runner. Uh, we ran cross country together in high school. And my wife is one of those kinds of girls who, if she has a, a goal in mind, she could do just about anything. She can, she can push through something. She can work through something. And so she seriously says, this is just a marathon. It's just a marathon. There will be an end. And I'm going to get there. One of the things, this is just from a guy's perspective. <laughs> This is kind of a funny story. One of the things that I've learned about being a dude and walking through this with, with my wife is not to take anything she says in that time frame personally. Okay? So let me give you some examples. Um, Ryan, put your hand there. Okay. Take it off! Okay, okay. Okay, all right. Ryan, would you get me some water? All right, here you go. Here you go, babe. Get it away from me. I don't want it. Like, this is what, this is what it looks like in the delivery room. We would go into the room. So my wife was really wanted to go natural. Um, she did that because, not because she didn't worry about the pain. She was more worried about a needle going in the back <laughs> to get an epidural. But she told me going in, she said, Ryan, whatever I say, if I tell you I want drugs, you tell me you can't have them. She said, that's how I want you to handle me in, in this. If, if we go in, you say, give me the drugs. And, and, and Ryan, your job is to say, no, she doesn't really want this. This is just her emotions. How in the world am I supposed to do that if we ever get there? But I've watched my wife and helped my wife and coached my wife through three different births. One of them was 18 hours of labor. One of them was like 12 and one of them was like eight. And it, it is hard to watch as a husband. What are you guys laughing about in the back? Uh, okay, okay. No, I didn't say they were 18 pounds. Have you... um, that would be C-section. You got you to open her up. All right. But I digress. Shh. God's word says quite clearly, this becomes hard. Now... 
what I want to address here, we didn't talk a lot about it at the beginning, is this is a really beautiful thing, ladies. Having kids is a really beautiful thing. Last night I was laying in bed. I was working on my computer. My wife was laying in bed. She was reading a book. And I looked over and I literally could see the baby moving around in her stomach. Now that sounds crazy to some of you who've never done this before. But it is such a neat, neat experience to know that God is using us and using my wife to to knit this baby together. That I've got a five-year-old Daniel that he started out there. A three-year-old Annabelle who started out there. Isaiah, one and a half, he started out there. And God has knit you ladies uniquely together to be able to sustain and grow life. That's a beautiful thing. I can say it as a dad who's walked through it with his own family. It's a beautiful thing. God has given you a unique role in helping establish order in the world in bearing children. But now because of the curse, it's hard. It's painful. What was, what would, and I don't even know, it doesn't even say what it had been like before, but I have to assume that it wasn't going to hurt. <laughs> but now it's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. But it's going to be hard. Does that make it not worth it? Just about any mom you talk to. I can, my wife would say this for sure. I mean, we're on number four. And she would say it's worth it. Every bit of pain. Every bit of hardship. She's having to do like this crazy pricking her finger after every meal to, to test her blood sugar. She's having to do all kinds of crazy things. She doesn't quite get sick like everybody, like lots of ladies do, but she would say every bit of it is worth it. Every bit of it. But it's gonna be hard. So I'm not gonna talk about it anymore, <laughs> but it's gonna be hard. We're gonna spend most of our time really in the next part of the curse because uh, although it speaks to a future situation for you, we can see the effects of it right now in how you handle life and how you handle specifically guys in your life, whether it be your dad, siblings, or just your brothers and sisters in Christ, or just your friends. So we see the next part of this text says, your desire shall be for your husband. It doesn't sound that bad, does it? Your desire shall be for your husband. It doesn't sound that bad. It all hinges on this one word. What in the world does desire mean? What could it mean? I'm not looking for, I know this is the right answer, but what could desire in this sentence mean? Give me some ideas. Lust, so maybe a sexual desire. Good. What else could it mean? Affection, so maybe just a natural inclination towards something. Yeah. Is that it? Another one? So like security. So uh, looking for something to help you be secure. Driving motive. So maybe like a, 
an idol, like an idolatrous desire for something? Okay, good. Those are all good answers. And they're all answers that people have given for what this means. But I don't think it's the right answer. So when we're studying God's word, uh, when we're stuck with a word and we don't know what it means, or when we're stuck with something in scriptures that we don't know what it means, what do we do? What do we do with that? So look it up in the original. Anybody a, a scholar in Hebrew? Yeah, I'll put my hand down because not me either. So yeah, we want to look at the original word. We've got cool tools to help us with that. One of the things we need to do is we need to recognize that Scripture helps us read Scripture. What I mean by that is we have to go to the context. We've got to go to other places that that word has been used to help us figure out what this word means. All right, so this is where we, we kind of get to the nitty-gritty for a little bit. This word, this Hebrew word, I'm not going to say it because I wouldn't even know how to say it, but it's used three times, three times in the entire Old Testament. That's not very often, not a very big sample size, right? If you're doing statistics, is anybody taking statistics right now? Is anybody taking it already? Oh, man. I took it my senior year of high school. I actually enjoyed it. I then took it in college and almost failed it. So um, when, you, when you look at doing sample size or actually studying probability, a three-piece sample size is really not that large. Turn over just a page, should be just a page, or maybe it's on the same page in your Bible, to Genesis chapter 4. Can somebody read Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, nice and loud for me? Jason, can you do it for me? 4, 7. Genesis 4, 7. Okay, see that last phrase, it's desire is for you, but you must rule over it. We see that same, at least in English, we see that same word desire, right? We see it right there in the text, desire. It's the same Hebrew word. Reading it that way, what do we think this desire might mean? Yeah, I'm putting you to work. Come on, think with me. To dominate, good. One of you? Consuming, okay. Assert leadership over him, good. You have another one? A longing, okay. So if we look here in this text, um, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Its desire is for you would mean it's going to overpower you. Its desire is to overbear you, to take control, to own you. But you must rule over it. So if it's saying you must rule over it, we would know the inverse or the opposite would be it's trying to rule you. It's trying to rule you. So if we flip back to to Genesis 3, and then we kind of insert that 
idea or that definition into what we're trying to understand. It would therefore mean your desire shall be for your husband has way more to do with control, power, domination. It has to do with that rather than simply a lust or an idolatry or even a sexual desire. It's a, what we see here, quite honestly, is the curse, both for men and for women, is a direct contrast to the God-given roles they've been given. So men were called to, to headship, to work and provide, to lead and protect. So what's going to be hard? Their provision. And they're going to struggle to lead and protect well because they're going to have the desire to dominate. And so likewise, ladies, you were called to, have, to, have, to be the helper, the helpmate. To help and submit lovingly to, to good godly leadership. And so the opposite of that would be what? To dominate, to assert your own authority to try to control. And so this is really the context of all of life for men and women. It's the context for all of your relationships. Now this speaks specifically to the the relationship of the husband and the wife, okay? Now, there's only a handful of married people in this room, and so I, I recognize that. But I think... When we think about this, quite honestly, pay attention, listen up, guys. When we think about this, this understanding of the curse that we will have this desire to rule, to take control, to not submit to the leadership of our own husband, I think we see this practiced at your own age with guys around you. What I mean by that is is you're not necessarily, and we've talked about this, you're not necessarily called to submit to all the dudes around you. You don't have any, uh, they don't have any rule over you. They don't have any uh, specific leadership that you need to submit to. But I think there are plenty of things that, that ladies tend towards that actually undermine men's authority and undermine men's ability to grow into leadership and undermine young guys growing into be men. I've said this before. Um, I'm growing in being able to take criticism. Uh, I've not been, always been good. I've always I've been a people pleaser. Uh, I'm trying to get better being able to take good criticism of me and kind of look at it in the light and say, okay, so what is good from this? What is true from this? How can I grow and change? But ladies, I'll be honest with you. My wife can make just a, a simple statement that can cut me down. It could be good. It could be needed. Or it could be just a flippant comment that lays me bare. But my wife has a unique ability to encourage me and decimate me. You ladies are not married yet. But you have a unique ability to encourage guys or destroy them right now. We're going there. We're going there. Yep. 
an example of ways that you do that? Is that what you're saying? Or that maybe we struggle with that? Is that what you're saying, Allie? Yeah, good. I'm getting there, I promise. Okay, that we're, we're just about to get there. What I want you to see before we get specific, though, this is really, really important, is that the curse for both men and, both, and for women has turned their God-given roles upside down. Okay? It turned them upside down so that what was good in God's design all of a sudden is hard. And we have to fight against our own flesh. And in the back end of tonight, we're going to get to where's the hope? How in the world do I deal with this? But we must understand first and foremost what God created to be good. That, you, that guys and girls are created equal in the sight of God. And they have differing roles is a good thing. We've talked about that. And if men are exercising good biblical headship and women are exercising good helping, uh, help mating, I don't even know what you want to call that. Uh, that's a good thing. But now those things have been turned on their heads and it's hard for guys to walk in biblical headship. It's hard for you girls to be a biblical helper because of sin and because of what it does to you. So here's what I'm going to do. I just have a couple of basic kind of specific things uh, I've already talked to your ladies, ladies, and I'm hoping that you guys get to unpack this much more in your group time. Um, you can be honest with each other. Yeah, this is the way I, I totally do that and I did not realize it. Or this is the way that maybe I've seen somebody do a great job at being a helper just as a friend, just as a, uh, a brother or sister in Christ. Um, I hope you guys can unpack this some more. But I have some specific ways, first and foremost, that we see this play out in our homes. And then I'm going to talk with you guys specifically about your age, where you're at right now. So how do we see the curse play out in our own homes and in our own lives? Uh, And I'm going to say this. What I don't want you to do, we've talked about this before, is to go home and tell your parents about how they're doing it wrong. This is not an excuse to do that. You got it? I need to see every head nodding yes. Okay, that's not the, jo- the job that I'm asking you to do. What I'm asking you to do is think about who are you going to be. Who are you going to be? Some of you, you're a freshman. You got four years of high school. You're thinking, I got college. But some of you are juniors and seniors. I got married when I was 19. I was forced to grow up like crazy And I wish I'd been thinking more about this at your age. I'm not saying everybody needs to get married at 19. (laughs) Don't hear that. Mom, Ryan said I have to get married when I'm 19. (laughs) It's not what I said. But some of you might be getting married younger. And that's not a bad thing. If you're in a good spot, if you're ready for that. All right. So the first question I would ask is... um, And you can see this in TV shows. You can see it in your own home. Maybe it's friend's home. The main question is, who is leading the home? When you walk into the home and you spend any time there or you watch a TV show and get to, you know, see how the sitcom plays out. The main question I would ask you is, who's leading the home? We can very quickly tell who's making the majority of the decisions, who acts in charge I mean, we've talked about this. There's so many sitcoms that make the the dudes just look like idiots. 
and the wife is running the home. She's making all the budget decisions. She's getting the kids to soccer practice. She's making sure they maybe go to church or, or making sure they get to their uh, parent-teacher conferences. And dad's sitting at home, watching his TV, doing nothing else. That's a mother-run home. That's a dude abdicating his job. Now, unfortunately, uh, in those homes, there's usually two things going on. Number one, a dad's abdicating. But number two, a woman has no problem taking control. I'm not going to tell you which one came first. I don't even know. But very often when you look in those situations, you've got both of them not functioning how they were called to function. My wife can tell you stories about ways that, uh, that I have failed to lead well. And she's decided, uh, I'm just not going to do anything about it. And something doesn't get done. Something doesn't happen. All of a sudden I'm seeing like, wait, what just happened here? And I realized, oh yeah, I wasn't taking charge. I wasn't leading. I wasn't making sure this happened. This is actually my job. My wife can tell you stories about me and how she's prayed for me and how she's helping me grow and change. My wife prays for me. So who is leading the home? The second way that you can see where maybe a, a woman is living full embodying this curse is how does she talk about her husband? How does she talk about her husband? So I've worked at both uh, the Marriott and at Fidelity Investments before I worked here. And I've had guys, this is kind of a little reverse, but I've guys, had guys come to me and say, you never talk bad about your wife. That's different. And I would say the same thing when I find a, a lady in the workplace who doesn't talk poorly of her husband, that's unique, unfortunately. One of the things that we see that's come through the curse is um, I think God has, uh, he's helping me see this and he helps ladies see this that quite often ladies, and I'll say this because my wife and I have talked about this, quite often ladies think they can do everything better than their husbands. It's just, it's just how it works sometimes. I can do the budget better. Um, actually, I know how to make those eggs better than you do. Or I know how to do this better. And by con continually, hey, maybe you should try it this way, honey. Or maybe you should try it this way, honey. Or actually, if you would just do it this way, honey. Or over and over and over and over again, all of a sudden the husband has zero desire to want to help with anything. Because the moment he steps up, the wife just continues to, to nag and tell him how to do things differently. And if only he would do it this way, it'd be done right. That's how we see the curse playing out in the life of the home. Now, there are loads of books, ladies, that I can throw your way that I think you can read more where ladies communicate much clearly and better than I do. So if you're looking for resources, if you want to read some books, talk to me, shoot me a Facebook message. I've got a list of some great books you can read. But just because you're not married doesn't mean this, does, this uh, has lost its application for you. You very often are exercising this, uh, this bent towards this curse before you ever get married. So I'm going to talk about two ways, just quickly, and then we're going to go to group, okay? 
One is just simply this. When you have a desire to control, not your husband, but men around you, it can come out one way. It's almost always through some sort of manipulation. And the manipulation shows up in, just quite frankly, one of the ways, how you dress and how you carry yourself. And before I explain this, ladies hear me say this, God, it's, it's our responsibilities, guys, to deal with our own thought life. I promise you, I tell my guys that all the time. They're, they're not hearing me say, well, if only the ladies would dress differently, we'll be okay. No, it's our job. But as the helpers, sometimes ladies just make it a whole heck of a lot worse. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because you guys can talk in your groups. But it is manipulation to overthink and spend so much time dressing in a specific way so that that guy will get your attention or that vice versa that he'll see you. It's manipulation. Depending on how you go about it, it might be better or worse. But at the end of the day, you're spending so much time trying to get his attention and keep his attention. When you're waking up thinking about that, you're missing the point, ladies. I tell my guys, they better be looking for a, a girl who shows godly character way before outward beauty. All of you girls are beautiful, young ladies. But some of you spend so much time on what you look on the outside and very little time with what's on the inside. (laughs) Here here we're going to do it this way. Uh, Halle Berry is an actor. Most of you probably know her. She actually said it this way. Yeah, I'm going to quote an actor today. She said, let me tell you something. Being thought of as a beautiful woman has spared me nothing in life. No heartache, not trouble. Love has been difficult. Beauty is essentially meaningless and it's always transitory. That's coming from a girl who does not love Jesus. Beauty is, what does it mean to say beauty is transitory? Somebody? Nobody? Changing. It's temporary. It's temporary. But godly character will be around all their life. So we manipulate, or ladies can tend to manipulate through, through dress, through drawing attention to certain pieces of their body. That's just how it is. And so ladies, I would challenge you to think about why am I dressing this way? I'm not the one who's going to say, don't look nice. Don't put makeup on. Just come in sweatpants and a sweatshirt all the time. I'm not going to say that. If you're in, it's not a bad thing if you're in sweatpants and a sweatshirt. I'm just asking you what's going on in your heart, ladies. That's the question. What's going on in your heart? Are you more concerned with attracting and getting attention by the way that you dress? 
Now, here's the other one. I think we've heard plenty about the modesty thing, and I'm going to move past that. But the other way is words. So we talked about how wives can cut and lay low their husbands. Girls, you need to stop crucifying men with how you talk about them. How you talk in front of them and how you talk about them in your groups and your friend, with your friends. It's not cool to gossip about dudes and their failures. Sometimes I hear this general air of the guys around here, they're just not worthy of me. They're just not worthy of me. And that's an attitude that I promise you, if you don't deal with now, you'll carry into your marriage. I heard this recently, and it struck me as both true and hilarious. The pro- this, this person said, the problem with girls is they too often try to do this to guys. And she says, they try to either make them into gods or they try to make them into women. Okay, now let's think about that. Step number one is we worship guys. So you find that guy that you've got to be with and you do anything and everything you can to be around him, help he notices you, do stuff on Facebook and Twitter, anything you can to get his attention. He becomes your God. But it's so funny, Tab and I were talking about this last night. So many times once we get into marriage, and even now it happens where we see all the failings of men and wish that men would just be like us. Ladies, not me, but you know what I'm saying. Ladies wish that they would just be like us. That's making them ladies. One of the best things you ladies can do right now, for, for now and for eternity is look for the strengths in the guys around you and build into those. Encourage those. You can be a life-giving breath of fresh air to the guys around you. If you're always cutting them down, if you're always talking poorly about them, why would they even want to try to honor the Lord? When all they hear is you're just not worthy. You just can't be who I want you to be. Ladies, guys are screwed up. <laughs> I'm one of them. We have, our, we have plenty of our own issues. But ladies, you have your own issues too. <laughs> and I'm excited to, get, to let you guys go talk with your, with your leaders. They're gonna, I think they can do a much better job of fleshing this out and talking about this with you. They can talk with you about ways that they've blown it. They can talk to you about ways that they're doing well. But when you look at the curse, it affects you in two ways. It makes childbearing hard and it cuts to the heart of the, re- the relationship that for most of you will be the most important earthly relationship you have. And that's going to be your husband. And so as girls, you can begin to practice that idea of encouragement that idea of life-giving, that idea of pursuing the right kind of beauty. That's how you grow and change. That's how you become ladies that are 
quite honestly, that all men will, will want to go after. Any, any men worth his salt would go after. Does that make sense? Guys, you have, or ladies, you have a specific great opportunity to just encourage people in general, but also the guys toward godliness. And guys, you heard last week, your job is still to pursue holiness. So as we finish, can you guys just turn real quick to Ephesians chapter 5? And I want to show you the beauty of the gospel and how it affects this curse. Sometimes we can hear about the curse and just think, this will never be fixed. There's no hope. But Ephesians chapter 5 gives us this beautiful calling to something we can have in Christ. Let me read it to you, starting in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and his, himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Who, he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of this body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Whoever let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. God didn't just leave us and just say, here's the curse. Hope you figure it out. He actually said there's something beautiful that happens when Christ comes into lives and changes people's hearts. And so girls start to desire holiness more than personal happiness. And guys start to desire sacrificial love more than sitting on the couch. And they get to be a picture of the gospel. So guys, look at me. As you learn to sacrifice now, make hard decisions now, do things for other people, even though it hurts your time, your pocketbook. As you learn to sacrifice now, you will be helping yourself learn how to be a good husband. And ladies, as you learn how to be an encourager, as you learn how to submit to your dads, as you learn how to build up those around you, especially the guys, you will be equipping yourself to be a good wife. I promise you. You guys remember when I started by talking to, about the ladies' design, I talked about dancing. You guys remember that? Uh, how my wife and I learned how to swing dance and how we struggled because my wife wanted to lead and I was trying to learn how to lead, but she was the one who knew how to dance better and we just struggled. We ran into each other. We had issues. I got frustrated. But once we learned... Once I learned how to be a better leader 
And when she learned how to be a better follower, we were a much more beautiful picture of a dance. And in marriage, you get to be a picture of Christ that way. Men, you get to be a picture of Christ's sacrificial love every day. Ladies, you get to to show what it looks like to be the church and submit joyfully while you empower your husband to be all that he can be. All right. I've got a few questions. I don't know that we got them on the screen. It's probably my fault. Um, so I got a few questions for you. I'm going to read them, but I'm not, you don't write them down because I'm going to send you to your groups. Um, your, your, your leaders will have all the, the questions, but start thinking about them right now. Ladies, for you, who are some women that you look up to and why do you look up to them? Who are some ladies you look up to and why is it that you look up to them? And what are some ways, this is question two, that you've responded or acted sinfully towards other guys around you? Number three, what is scary to you about thinking about submitting to a future husband? And number four, how can you fight the curse and seek to be a help to godly men around you? And guys, who are some women that you think are a good godly picture of what it means to be a woman? In what ways are you continuing the stereotype of deadbeat, irresponsible, and lazy men? And how do you think you can live differently now so that you are easier to submit to as a husband in the future? All right, let me pray. I love you guys. This was difficult for me, (laughs) but I love you guys and I want the best for you. So that's why we talk about these things. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope that comes in the gospel. Lord, I feel like a failure so many times to be the man that you've called me to be. But Lord, we need your help every day. Would you help our groups tonight to be an encouragement to one another, to talk regularly, to ask good questions, to be honest. And Lord, would you most importantly change our hearts that we would desire life to look like how you've called it to look. So Jesus, we love you and thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.